left out. I had a little thing with uh, the boys. I told them that if I preached over 40 minutes, that I'd get them ice cream. So I went up to the local grocery store, and I bought ice cream. And I don't have no more money, so I have to be done within 40 minutes a night, all right? And uh, I'm just kidding. So I'm very thankful to be able to be back tonight. Thank God for the good fellowship last night. Open your Bibles, if you will, or you have your notes tonight to the book of Acts, chapter number 15. Acts, chapter number 15 is where we are going to be tonight, Acts chapter number 15. An old preacher by the name of Willard Thomas one time had told me, I was meeting with him, we was at a place called uh, Breakfast Time there outside of the Winston-Salem area. He came up, this before he had died and went to heaven. He sat down, he was known as a poet preacher, and um, I always ask men, uh, typically men that are older men, if for any advice, any wisdom, you had to know him. To me, he was a very happy man. He was a happy pastor. And um, had a touch of God on him, in my opinion. And he looked at me one day, and I'll never forget. He said, Brother Jason, always remember, as you preach the gospel, you preach the Bible, that people need to see you smile. But remember, as much as they need to see you smile, it's okay that they're able to see your scars. It stuck with me because sometimes we get scared to show people that we're human. I told you at the beginning of this week that my desire is to be able to lift up Jesus, but it is to be able to help your pastor, it's to be able to help this church. And I want to encourage you, I want you to know how I'm praying. I'm praying that this church would have a softer heart. You say, our heart is soft, I believe it's soft, but a softer heart. A heart that's willing to be able to go outside of the comfort zone, to be able to show love and appreciation, not just for one another, but also church family, but also for your pastor. You know, I went home last night. I don't mind telling you, I prayed. I prayed. I said, Lord, I said, in a moment like last night when my pastor, if it would have been me and I was sitting in this church, and listen, I have not always been a pastor. I sat up under a man that struggled mentally, physically, uh, emotionally, so many different ways. There'd be days that I would go to the church and my pastor could not preach. I would not know it until it was that day when he would look at me and I would know that day I had to be willing, willing to, to preach that day. He couldn't do funerals. He couldn't go to hospital visits. My, my way of honoring God and honoring God's man is to be able to help him. There's never a time that he ever had to be able to do anything alone if he carried a battle. And you better believe I was the first one. I would almost fight to be the first one to be able to be there to help him. And I say that because last night my wife and I, I talked. This morning I got up early and left out. And of course, like many of you, I have a routine with God. And I talked to the Lord and I prayed. I said, Lord, I said, I pray that if... Any leadership, any church family in this church, but especially the pastor, finds himself the way that the Lord moved upon their heart and his heart last night. That God, that we would swallow our pride and even in the invitation, be willing to be able to go to somebody and say, I just want you to know how much I love and appreciate you. Now, I hope you understand my heart. I say that with all kindness, with all love, but I challenge you. I challenge you. You never know, you never know what people go through. Matter of fact, Lord willing, tomorrow night, um, I'll share something that I wish I could preach at my church, and I can't preach at my church. I mean, I, I'll be honest, I give it to Brother Sean. Brother Sean, you come and you preach at my church. But I'm just being honest. Like I, it's one of those things that the Lord permits me that I really believe because it's not just being a church member but also being a pastor. I truly believe that it's something that every person that's a child of God should know that I think we're missing in this day and age. And I hope that you'll be back tomorrow night, not because of me, because of what the Lord has said. It's really, it's really dear, near, near and dear to my heart tomorrow night. Acts chapter number 15, and I'll be very quick. I'm starting my time. Hut, 
You got me? Start my time. Praise the Lord. Three seconds into it. Let's go. Acts chapter number 15. I want to ask you something before we begin reading. I'm going to start reading at verse number 36 in a few moments. Why don't I ask you this question? When's the last time that somebody hurt you? When's the last time that somebody's done you wrong, spoke a word about you that was not true, may have been true, but should have never been said? Somebody called you out. Maybe it was a son, a daughter. Maybe it was a husband, a wife. It was a church member. Maybe it was just somebody that is an enemy. But the words they spoke, it cut deep. So deep that it changed you. To where tonight that it still lingers in your mind. So much to where it could have been last week. It could have been last month. It could have been a year ago. Or hear me well what I'm about to say. It might have been five years ago. And to this very night, you hear me what I'm about to say. You still remember the day. You remember whether it rained or not. You remember exactly where you were. You remember the place that it happened. You remember the way that it was spoke. You might even remember how the wind was blowing. You remember where you were standing when you got the news and something was said to you. And the reason is... It's because sometimes things hurt you so bad that it changes you, and it changes you for a long time because hurt is really real. I know scars are what they are, but sometimes I say it often, those closest to us cut us the deepest, and I believe that with all of my heart. I don't believe that tonight, and I'll say this to you, I'm not going to be loud. I'm probably not going to be pressing my voice, praise God, for those that you've been praying for me. It's doing better, so thank God for that. But I just I want you to give the Lord your undivided attention. In John chapter number 17, it's amazing because sometimes when we think about the things, the hurts that's in our life, even Jesus spoke and he said that if you're going to minister, you're going to do these things, the world's going to hate you. They're going to come at you the same way they did Jesus. Even Jesus himself had told us this and it's almost like we think that it, it's not going to happen to us. That because we go to church, we serve the Lord and you know we're doing what we're supposed to be. That people ain't going to just wrong us. And friend, you and I understand that's not the way that it is. Things happen and church hurt. In my opinion, this is my hum humble opinion, it's probably the worst hurt that some people have ever felt and ever experienced to the place where sometimes people do not want to darken the door of a church because of something that happened to them. But you hear me well, they'll go sit on a bar stool with somebody that cussed them out, punched them in the face the night before, or they'll go work out with somebody who's chewed them out or talked bad about their wife, or they'll go back to the ball team and they'll get along. I mean, you know, or they'll sit in the stands with their kids and everybody's getting along, but God forbid they go to church. And I'm not belittling because, friend, me and my family, we've dealt with the same thing. But church hurt is a real thing. But sometimes it's like we feel like we got immunity to it. Like it's just not going to happen to us. So we find ourselves in this place of despair. And the devil uses this because he wants it to be able to hinder our, our homes, our families, our lives, our, our works. He, he does all of this and, and he knows that he does it. Here's why. Because he knows that it makes us angry. It makes us frustrated. It gets us in a place of pain where, as I said the other night, we begin to function out of the flesh and out of pain. And it's a distorted view. You're not led by the Spirit of God. And, and I, I would present to you and, 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 and say to you that I believe that being under the influence of anger is just as bad and damaging as being under the influence of alcohol. People can deny that. They can argue that. But if you're not led by the Spirit completely and filled with the Spirit, I don't care what it is. The command is to be filled with the Spirit of God and not with self. And it changes us. It manipulates us. It causes us to do things because it is real and the devil knows that he has us. It's the way that the devil literally will incarcerate us to a place 
And some of you may be on a rough night or a rough day or something that's happened in your life. You know what it's like to be incarcerated. You know what it's like to be shackled down. And that's the way sometimes we live our life. And God forbid that we ever feel that way in our homes and especially our churches. But friend, you know it happens and it all happens because of church hurt. So the devil knows this because we're holding on to these things. And as long as we hold on to it, we will never be productive. You say, Brother Jason, you're going to dive in the Bible, friend. There's going to be a lot of Bible tonight, but you have to see yourself and identify that this is the things that we deal with on a regular basis. And when these things happen, the natural things for us is not to pray for the brethren. It's not to be okay. It's not just to forgive. It might be for you, and I'm a pretty forgiving person, but it's not always the first instinct that comes to my mind. The first thing that comes to my mind is retaliation. The first thing that comes to my mind is revenge. The first thing that comes to my mind is to put somebody in a place because of how they offended somebody. It ain't even got to be about me because I'm usually a little more lenient when it is about me. But when they speak about my family, about my wife, about my son, even though they don't see the way that it affects me, it really stirs me up. And again, I said this the other night somewhere. I don't know if it was just last night preaching or what. I'm that passive-aggressive person. I, I'll let you get that knife, and you're going to feel good putting it in your back, and I'm going to make you feel like it was supposed to be that way. And all God's people said, okay, don't say amen, but you know what I'm saying to I'm that way because I've watched people long enough and please I'm just being very transparent it's amazing and I know I'm, I'm not preaching to this type of group but there's a lot of people raised in church they don't really know what the real world's like and they don't know what it's like to be hurt. They don't know what it's like to be done wrong. I mean, you know, they, and I'm not saying church hurt is not bad. Church hurt is bad. But, friend, when you're raised and you're used to certain things and people speaking to you a certain way and calling you certain names, you know, you just realize that's just part of life. I mean, that's what it is. But at the end of the day, when you get saved and born again, and these are people that you love, you hear me well, it does hurt in a different way. And sometimes it does cut deeper than what we like to express. So I'm challenged. I'm challenged when I study the Bible. My son last night was asking me and Dr. Lee writings about forgiveness. When the Bible talks about forgiveness, and he says in Matthew 18, 22, 70 times 7, I'm challenged as the Bible speaks about this to understand what it means to be able to forgive to that uh, magnitude, to that, to that degree. I'm challenged in the Bible when it says in the book of Mark, chapter number 11, verse number 25 and 26, but if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive you your trespasses. I am challenged about that because I realize this is the heart as a born again believer that I am supposed to have. I should be a forgiving person. That should be something that's in me, but hear me, it's not easy. I'm really challenged when you look to the cross of Calvary and you see Jesus who, when you remember who you were, and I know who I was and where I came from, and Brother Daniel, I know what Jesus took for me, and you don't have to tell me that, but with compassion, Jesus himself can literally cry out from the cross of Calvary and say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He was the only sinless person that never deserved anything that ever happened to him, but yet Jesus himself. And then we read what the scripture says, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ. Can I be frank with you? That's hard to do sometimes when pain comes in your life. But as much as there are challenges, I want to tell you tonight, you hear me, it's a command. Ephesians 4.32 
He tells us to be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. That is not an option. That is not a choice. It is a command that you are to forgive. Now, I'm going to say this to you tonight. If you can't think of somebody that's ever done you wrong, you can pack up your bags and go ahead and go to the house because it's going to waste your time tonight if you've never had anybody hurt you. But I feel like there's a lot of us that's sitting here tonight. We're on this little circle, and we're just running like a little hamster on this wheel, and we're feeling like we're getting a lot done. But the truth be told, the reason we ain't going nowhere is still, we're still holding on some things we ain't never let go. And you're not going to let go of it until you figure out what the Bible says about it because sometimes there's some issues we hold on to we should never hold on to, and it hinders us from serving God. I wrote down in my notes one time that if we'd ever get to the place that we'd forgive people, what it would do is it would actually release the past, the pain. It would help us to overcome those things. It would take us into the future of where we're going. And not only that, but it also would help us to be able to have intimacy with God. I believe if you truly want a healthy relationship with God, you must, you must make a desire and make an attempt to be able to be right with other people. I mean, you cannot be right with God and just think everything else is going to be wrong with everybody else. Can I get an amen right there? So to sit here forgive me forgive me and transparent but you and I are hypocrites if you could be wrong with everybody else not attempting to be able to make it right and think that God's pleased with you because you come to church and you sit on the pew but everybody else that you've talked bad about or there's some kind of discord or some kind of division they're sitting out there and you can run from them you can be absent from them you don't have to be in the presence of them but God still sees your heart and the reason why you can't feel the touch of God and the presence of God the way you used to it's not because of them it's because you're still dealing with an unforgiving heart and all God's people said amen and amen with that being said tonight I want to be able to read the scripture start with him we can Acts chapter number 15 you got it on your paper maybe with your Bible if you have a Bible tonight I'd encourage you to keep it open because I believe you need to be able to see the scripture the Bible says this starting in verse number 36 it's the story of Paul and Barnabas the Bible says this in some days after Paul said unto Barnabas let us go again to visit our brethren in every city where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to be able to take with him John, whose surname was Mark. You know him, of course. He's been one that was a writer. He was one that used uh, God used tremendously. The Bible says this. It says in verse number 38, But Paul, watch this now, But Paul thought not good to be able to take him with them, who departed them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other, and so Barnabas took Paul and sailed unto Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Caesarea and said, confirming the churches. So you notice when you come here that there is an issue that is at hand. I give it to you very quick tonight. The thought that's going to come on my mind is this. is really forgiving what you cannot forget. There's a lot of things in your life that you're not going to forget, and there's going to be a lot of things that you're going to deal with, but you have to be able to make up your mind that you're going to forgive people no matter what it is, even though you don't understand it, and you cannot forget about it, you can still choose to forgive that person for the things that happened in their life. You say, why is that so significant, Brother Jason? Well, when you study this, you've got to realize who we're talking about. We're talking about, obviously, Mark, but we're also talking about Barnabas. We know Barnabas. You've seen Barnabas. He's the man that's blessed. He uses his goods and everything to be a blessing to the church. People look up to him. He invests, though, in this person that many of us know about by the name of Paul. Now, let me help you understand Paul because we don't always think like this, but we beat ourselves up. But I want you to know Paul was a man that you and I see that is, a, in a way, a role model of a Christian. 
Christian. I mean, matter of fact, if we was going to say somebody outside of the Lord Jesus Christ, we would say, well, I want to be like Paul. I, I want to be able to serve the Lord. I want to be able to make a difference. He was a man that followed Christ. He was a writer of almost half of the New Testaments of the book, uh, books uh, of the Bible. I mean, this is a man that God used in a, in a mighty way. He was a powerful preacher. He was the one that people would look to. If there was going to be an MVP of Christianity, it would be argued that, that, that potentially outside of the Lord Jesus that Paul would be that man. But I want you to notice, hear me well, this man that is an MVP, all-knowing Christian, has trouble according to the Scripture. The Bible says that there was an issue that he had with this young man by the name of Mark, and he struggled forgiving him, and he could not let it go so much that it divided him from a friend that was not just a friend, but it was also somebody who invested in him. So before we beat ourselves up, we need to understand that even sometimes the best of people that we know, the best people that we look up to, even preachers and pastors and, and servants of God, it is a hard thing sometimes to forgive somebody. So where does Mark come along? Well, if you used to be able to go back and study but the beginning of Acts chapter number 7, you would see the stoning of Stephen. When the stolen of Stephen came, you'll read your Bible. And forgive me, there's going to be a lot of teaching, preaching tonight. But friend, you cannot preach this and not teach this. You need to know what the Bible says. Because this ain't something I just make up and orchestrate. This is something that the Lord had to really nail. And I'm talking about pull back the calluses and nail into my heart for me to understand. Stephen was being stoned, so when that happened, all of a sudden the disciples began to be uneasy. As they were uneasy in that moment, they began to come to a panic, so they fled. They fled to different cities. When they fled to different cities, of course, many of you know the story where obviously this is where uh, Saul becomes to be Paul. You study the Bible, Acts chapter number 9. God makes a conversion in his life. He changes him. He gloriously gets saved. He has a testimony. And along that journey, a lot of people will not invest in Paul, but there was a man by the name of Barnabas who would. So what he did, and by the way, can I just say this? Thank God for people that don't always push us aside for our past, and they love us and invest in us and realize the grace and the mercy of God can change them the same way that it changed somebody else. Amen? And that's exactly what Barnabas did. He says, you know what, Paul? It's okay. Man, he began to invest in him, and God began to use him in a great way, so now they're serving the Lord. But in Antioch, during that time, everything was thriving. It was going so well that in Acts chapter number 11 I believe it is the Bible says that they were called Christians so Jerusalem decided okay this is what we're going to do we're going to send them out and they're going to be able to go into these cities and they chose Barnabas to be able to be this person well hear me now I'm giving you some background this is where Barnabas said I want to be able to take Paul so Paul and them come together they begin to leave they are there in Antioch they're going to go back into Jerusalem and as they journey there's a young man that's with them by the name of Mark this young man by the name of Mark comes on the scene in them and with them around Acts chapter number 12 and he begins to serve with them along the journey. I want you to turn back if you can to Acts chapter number 13. So when they get back to Antioch, everything's going well. They're praying and fasting. Everything is going well. But then all of a sudden they decide it's time to leave. Now remember, Paul and Barnabas are serving God. They're doing great things for the Lord Jesus Christ and they're at a place where we're getting ready to step out by faith. So in Acts chapter number 13, 
13, if you will, I want you to be able to pick up and notice what the Bible says in verse number 13. The Bible says now, watch this now, now when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, he says they went to Perga and Pamphylia, and John departing from them returned to Jerusalem. Now, I help you understand what that means in our terms. That means that John Mark resigned. That means he turned in his resignation. He was done. He says, I'm not going to do it. You say, Brother Jason, why did that happen? I'll tell you why it happened. Because there was problems. Pamphylia was a, a tough place for them to go. They ran into some issues. It was the first, first situation they had. And because of the situation, Mark just literally quits. He says, I'm not going to do this anymore. And he walks away. So from that moment on, listen, Paul and Barnabas stayed together. So you got to remember at this moment, now this young man has walked away. God's using these two men. They're serving God. People getting saved. Hallelujah. Amen. And they come to one difficulty. One difficulty. And when that difficulty arises, that young man can't get over it. And because of that, he separates himself. So thank God, Paul and Barnabas, they tie back up together. They begin to serve the Lord, and they move on for the glory of God. When the Acts chapter number 15, we come back. They get back to this place. When they come back to this place, now all of a sudden, God's doing a great work. And here they are. They're getting ready to be able to start serving God and pressing forward again. And that's where we pick up in verse number 36. So this young man that was with them that left over a situation is now sitting out and the conflict arises because I want you to notice what the Bible says in verse number 37. And Barnabas determined to be able to take them with, uh, take with them John whose surname was Mark. So here's where the issue is. He says, I want to be able to take John, Mark. That's who I want to take with us. He looks at Paul. He says, Paul, I, I want to take him. I, I, I believe that he's valuable. I believe that he's an asset. I, I want to be able to use him. And, and, but, but, but Paul, wait a minute now. Paul, he, he's Mr. Spiritual. He, he's the great missionary. He's the great preacher. He is the MVP of Christianity, if I can say it that way. He says, no, I'm not going to take this young man. I'm not going to do it. Why? Because he done us wrong when he left us before, and I'm just going to be honest, I can't let it go. I can't move beyond it. It's almost like Paul marks him. I mean, literally says, there's nothing I'm going to do with him. So Paul now is in a place where he has not forgiven and he has not forgotten this young man, and the issue rises up between Paul and Barnabas. So, so far in this text, this is what you realize. Barnabas wants to take him. Paul says, no, they don't understand. So now issues happen and they go their separate ways. So what do you do when you, you can't forgive what you can't forget? First thing, I want you to write this down very quickly with me tonight if you can. First of all, I want you to be able to know the first thing is you need to know this is that not all relationships will not always be reconciled. When you cannot forgive what you cannot forget, relationships will not always be reconciled. You say, what do you mean by that, Brother Jason? I, I want you to be able to notice that there was a lot of hurt that was in here. There was a lot of situations that was going on. Of course, he was in a place that, that he had. Now, a lot of times, that reconciliation is to be able to bring us back together. And I just want to tell you something. You hear me well. You can forgive and not reconcile. I mean, I'm just going to be honest. There's going to be some things, and, and you say, is there a command in the Bible? And listen, I'm not a Bible scholar. I don't know everything. But there's nothing that I realize that I see. Now, I know that Jesus can do anything and everything. And all God's people said, Amen. I said, all God's people said, 
Amen. But he tells us we got to forgive, but there's nothing about it that says that we've always got to be reconciled. Now, you need to let that settle in. Because if you are a controlling person, it's going to be hard for you when God don't allow that relationship to be back like it used to be. It's going to be tough for you when you not get an answer about things the way that it happened or you thought that it should happen. It's going to be very difficult because you're going to think that there should be reconciliation, but there's not always reconciliation. There could be forgiveness, but reconciliation, listen, that restoration, it can be denied, and we must be willing to accept that and let things go and let people go. You say, why is that so important? I'm glad you asked. It's a thing called bitterness. If you don't let it go, your issue with somebody else may cause you division in your marriage. It may cause you anger and hatred to your children, to your mom and dad. Somebody that reminds you of that person that hurts you. If you don't learn to let it go, friend, you are going to mark people for the rest of your life. And you don't have to amen me. You don't have to agree with me. But you remember this. When you get in that moment and you see in somebody what you used to see in somebody else it's going to cringe at your heart it's going to squeeze your soul and you're going to remember oh why can I not get past it why can I not just trust these people maybe brother Lee is like this why could I not invest in them the way that I invested in them I just don't understand why I can't be as vulnerable to these as, as, I, as I was to them it's because you see something in them people that you've seen in the person that hurts you because you have haven't learned to let go and you're frustrated that you cannot reconcile there's two types of forgiveness unilateral and transactional unilateral is a forgiveness that goes between you and God I, I in other words I forgive you because I want to be right with God and all God's people said amen but it's also a transactional forgiveness me and brother Sean something happens I want to be right with God I get my heart right with God I go to my brother I make things right there's a transaction so in other words there's forgiveness there's repentance all these things are given it's given in the right order it's done the way the Bible says we then together can be serving together we can serve the Lord together we can worship together that's transactional forgiveness and let me just say this I thank God for transactional forgiveness and all God's people said amen but it don't always happen that way you want to know why it don't always happen that way? And I really believe this in my heart because sometimes this is what you find out. You find out just like these two men, there are situations that people don't understand. Now, I want to tell you again, I want to put, I want to put this in perspective, okay? Because if you have no desire to be spiritual tonight, this is going to mean nothing to you. If you have no desire to be a spiritual father, mother, husband, wife, young lady, young man, whatever it may be, this is going to mean nothing to you. But it's going to mean something to you if you have a desire because you're going to realize that it's not as easy as what people think it is. But this is what God expects of me. I mean, can you see yourself now? I mean, we're talking about two men. We're not talking about two heathens. They got an issue. They got an issue. Watch me now. You're not alone in this. You're not a hypocrite because you have battles. You're not wicked and ungodly because people hurt you and there's discord. I mean, I'm just telling you, don't beat yourself up about it. I mean, when I look at Barnabas, I see a man that loved God. I mean, both of these men were Christians. Both of these men, I mean, they, they, they were serving the Lord. There, there were so many things that was good about them. I mean, when you look at Mark, I mean, Mark was a man that God used in a great way. And, and then you look at Paul. He, he wrote half of the New Testament. Most people think, well, surely these spiritual guys I mean they're all in the Bible they're all in the Bible surely 
If anybody can forgive, these are spiritual heroes. We read after them. We study after them. We pray the prayers that these men had literally prayed. But it makes no difference, friend. It can, it can, you can be the most spiritual person in the world. But that don't mean you still want to have lunch with somebody. That don't mean you're still going to trust somebody. Sometimes hurts are so real that you just cannot reconcile. That's the way it happens. That's the way it happens. Let me tell you why I think it happens. I want you to notice, if you will, would you go back to, uh, let's go to Acts chapter number 12, verse number 25. I want to tell you tonight that in my heart that I truly believe that if you're anything like me, you have trouble with this, that you need to understand. You remember last night I told you there's two types of people in your life, people who are blessings and people who are, oh, that was good preaching, people that are blessings and people are, that's exactly right. Well, listen, I believe there's two types of people in your life, not just blessings and lessons. I believe people that are in your life are either one of two things. They are either assigned in your life or they are allowed in your life. They're assigned by God or they're allowed by you. Now, you hear what I'm about to say. You may allow her to be your wife, but that might not be who God chose for you. Everybody all right? You wonder why you got so many issues. Somebody help me preach. Don't be quiet on me. There's one person assigned. You come to this assigned people are by God. What we find is sometimes God allows a situation to be able to be in your life, to be able to break those unassigned relationships. I want you to notice what the Bible says in verse number 25 of chapter number 12. If you're there with me, say amen. If you're with me, say amen. The Bible said this, And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem, watch this now, when they had fulfilled their ministry and took with them John, whose surname was Mark. These men was led by the Holy Ghost, but the Bible says, that's my King James. I don't know what kind of Bible you got. I mean, I'm being serious because I believe every word is in there for a reason. It has a definition for a reason. The Bible says they took him. He wasn't assigned to them. They looked and said, you know what? He might be a blessing to us. Let's take him with us. Let me just say this. Everybody you think might be a blessing might not be who God wants in your life, your church, and your family. Somebody say amen. And what happened was, is this situation happened. Here's what, here's what we do. We, quit, we, we kick and scream and get so mad that God allows issues to divide us from these people when just like I said about Peter the other day, Peter's out here walking on water. He begins to sink, and then he says, Wherefore didst thou begin to doubt? In other words, Peter, this is what you asked of me. You asked me to be able to help you. You asked me to strengthen your faith. You asked me to be able to prove myself. And we're just like this when it comes to relationship. You asked me to give me the right wife. You asked me for the right husband. You asked me for the right people. You asked me for the right friends. And then when God stirs the pot, uh, stirs the pot and he sends a storm and issues happen, we get mad as if something happened when God is just simply answering prayer in our life. Because we took people that was not assigned, but they were allowed. And I'm going to tell you something tonight. It's very hard, but this is the reason sometimes you cannot force things to happen. Because what you're going to find out is what God has not chosen, you cannot force to be real. Everybody all right? You cannot force something that God has not chosen for you. You have to accept it. You, you, you love the Bible, say amen. 
Not only that, I want to be able to say this, and you don't have to turn, but there's nowhere in the text that I really see Paul and Barnabas ever get back. Unfortunately, and I say this, Brother Lee, some of you preachers, you understand this. We look up to men of God. We see them all the time. We look up not only to men of God, but even Christians. And we look at them. We say, how in the world could they preach the Bible that long? Love people. Preach forgiveness. Teach forgiveness. And say all that. But never get along with other preachers. Everybody all right? Y'all know, I mean, it's like, how in the world? And I understand. Now, I'll, listen, we'll, 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 we'll divide on doctrine and stuff. But I'm not, I'm not going to blast you, hate you. I'm not going to punch you in the face because you don't use it. But I'm not going to fellowship. I'm not going to be able to do that if it's doctrine. I'm a part of that. But, friend, if you got purple, pink, orange, green, lime green, whatever it may be, or you do something different, you stand up and you sing, sit down, and you sit, you can stand on one leg, touch your nose, and count the three on, 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 on every moment that you say. Whatever you do, I could care less. I'm not going to get upset but there's people that are mad divided over things like this and they hold it for years never to fellowship again here's the thing we do the same thing we do the same exact thing we battle with this all the time in our life and the Bible says that these men took them and brought them in. Here's the second thing I would say. And I want to read this to you. The Bible says this. He might not have ever got back. Watch this now. Reconciliation might not always happen with those friends. But I will say this. In 2 Timothy chapter number 4, the Bible says that when Timothy came to the place where Paul was now, it's his last days. Verse number 11, if you're there, you can read it with me. The Bible says this, and he speaks. He's talking, he's talking to Timothy. Now, I have to say this to you. John Mark was a young preacher boy that, that, that Paul didn't have a lot of patience with. But is it not ironic that at the end of his years, God gave him another feeble-minded young man by the name of Timothy? Now, you study out the Bible, friend. Timothy was not as always strong in the Lord, but he poured into him. Do you think maybe it's because God let another season come back? Because just because you abort what God's trying to do when you're young doesn't mean that God's finished. He'll bring it back to you again. He'll test you again and again and again. Somebody say amen. Somebody say amen. I know it's teaching, preaching, but it's Bible. And the Bible says that this young man comes back. He goes to encourage him. But I want you to notice what he says to this young man. Verse number 11. He said, only Luke was with me. Watch this now. Take Mark. And bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Now, I'm going to say this to you. This is not debatable because I'm not up for a debate. The thing that says time heals to me is baloney. I hate to bust your mamas and daddy's bubble and your mamas and people, you know, all these other people that told you this. No, no, your time don't heal. The blood of Jesus heals it may take time after that but don't use some shallow answer and wonder why we have a generation that don't understand forgiveness it starts with repentance and forgiving as God as God for Christ's sake has forgiven me and because of that then reconciliation so this ain't just time you ain't just going to say well there it is it's Bible it's time no 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 you have to choose to forgive and then time in God's perfect timing he may allow the reconciliation, but it's never going to happen until you first choose to get your heart right. Everybody all right? So sometimes when you deal with these things, you've got to realize that not every relationship is going to be reconciled. It's just not going to happen. Number two, write this down. Not only that, but number two, an unforgiving heart, an unforgiving heart tonight, it's something that we need to understand 
may cost you valuable relationships in your life. What do you mean by that, Brother Jason? Notice, if you will, in chapter number, uh, back to chapter number 15, verse number 38. The Bible says that where they came together, notice, but Paul thought it not good to take him with him, who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. And contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. Now you can stop there. Do you see what happened? Paul now forces Barnabas. Look up here for a second. He says, Barnabas, you pick. Barnabas, you pick. You want Mark to go? Then take Mark and go. But if you want me, then you go me. You know what happened right there? Paul, with all of his authority, with all of his Bible knowledge, with all of his wisdom, he lost one of his greatest friends because he, watch me now, he forced somebody to choose. And I want to tell you something that's very hard for me to learn, but I watch a lot and I try to help my wife and son with this. Not everybody that you think is going to be for you will always be for you, even if you're right. So can I give you a second piece of advice? Don't make people choose. And all God's people said. I mean, you see, it's plain as day. I'm not adding it, friend. I mean, listen, there's no doubt in my mind that Paul's heart could not rest. When he seen Mark, he was thinking, you know what? There ain't no way I'm going to take him. He, he was wrong. He left us. No, this, 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 this is just not going to happen. You see the quote that I put down there on your piece of paper? They added, I seen it a while ago, an unforgiving heart will make you an unattractive person. Nobody wants to be around somebody that's unforgiving, always mad, always complaining. And y'all know how it is. You ain't got to amen me, but you know how it is. They sit down, they always want to talk about the person that did them wrong, and how they cut them deep, and how they, how they done this and done that, and talked about this and talked about that. You know, and please, it sounds like Charlie Brown Christmas. Somebody say amen. And I'm saying it because all of us as Christians deal with this. We sit there, we talk about these problems. It's just like, wah, 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 over and over and over. And nobody wants to be around you because here's why. Even though you went through some things, you're always angry. You're always fussing. You are always the victim. That hurts. That hurts. You hear me? I mean, matter of fact, I was going to go it makes me mad if somebody says, you acting like the victim. Anybody else like that? One, well, Nolan, my, my son. Any, anybody else ever get mad when somebody calls you a victim? Be, I know I'm not the only one. Okay, I got, I got one lady in the back. She's like, praise the Lord. Amen. That's me. Thank God. The rest of us need to pray God help us be a, not be a liar. Amen. That makes me mad. Nobody wants to be around. Matter of fact, let me turn that. Do you want to be around somebody like that? All they want to do is talk about the things happened. They just want to talk about what happened. Talk about the things that went on. They want to be able to criticize and keep going on. They can't be productive because they won't forgive. Let me give you a last thing tonight and I'm going to be done. Last thing tonight and I'm going to be done. An unforgiving heart. An unforgiving heart will cost you valuable relationships. And the last thing tonight, an unforgiving heart is an ungrateful heart. It's an ungrateful heart. Tiff, if I can get you to come to the piano again. 
I'm sorry, I always ask my wife to do that. That don't offend you, does it? Good, because I'm sorry if so. You forgive me? Hey, praise the Lord. You better forgive me on this message. <laughs> Listen to me. I, I know this is different, y'all, but I told you on Sunday when I came, because I, 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 I want to say this twofold. Look up here for a minute. My heart's been to honor him. My heart's been to help him. But I've sat in pews and my heart's to help you too because here's what's going to happen. It hurts you to see people you love hurt. And if you're not careful, you will isolate yourself so much as a church that the church would take on a mentality as being a victim or would just, no, listen, God saved you and gave you joy. You ought to live with joy. I don't care if it's with 10, 50, 100, 150. You keep that joy and realize God's got a purpose for everything. And he does remove some people from our church and our life for a reason. Now, I'm going to go on record and say this. When it's the pillars of the church, and, and you may not understand that, but when I got saved, Brother Daniel, there were some people that were pillars. They were, for those of you that work and labor, you understand a pillar is something that holds the place up. Man, over the last two years of my ministry, I'm talking about people that weren't just pillars in the church, Brother Sean. Brother Dylan, these were people that were pillars in my life. Taught me how to read my Bible. Taught me how to love my wife. Taught me how to be a father. I mean, they taught me how to open the Bible and study the Bible. And they walk away, and I'm thinking, Lord, what happened? I mean, so much, I'm ready to throw in the towel. We say, Brother Jason, do you have Bible on the unforgiving heart? Is an ungrateful heart? Yes, I do. Hey, Hut, we're 37 minutes, buddy. Hallelujah. <laughs> no candy tonight, buddy. <laughs> Look at me for a second. When you come into this place, what we find ourselves is sometimes we say we can't forgive, but at the end of the day, what we're really saying is we're just not grateful for everything. Because, see, here's what happened. When you come to Acts chapter number 15, man, you see Paul is now frustrated. He's mad. But if you really study the Scripture, the Bible says, and I showed it to you in Acts 13, this is where John Mark left him. This is where the separation was. Everybody all right? Y'all stay with me. From Acts chapter number 13, Paul was hurt. He was, he was put in a place where he was confused. He was angry. The situation was real. Listen to what I'm telling you. The situation's real. The pain is real. Remember, I, I, I am justifying the pain that happens to you. I'm justifying the fact that you hurt when a spouse says, I don't love you no more. When a friend says something that's crazy, when somebody does you wrong or talks about your family, I, I am justifying the hurt that you feel tonight when you see your mom and daddy go through stuff. I'm I, you're not crazy that it affects you emotionally. So I want you to hear, but this is why I'm sharing this tonight with the Lord's help and clarity. But let me tell you what you don't see. Here Paul is so mad and hurt. But if you was to go back and you was to go back and study chapter 13 and 15, and I challenge you to do it later this week. After Mark had hurt Paul, there were so many cities that Barnabas and Paul traveled. God used these men to be able to share the gospel. 
it was 12 different cities. Are you listening to me? After Mark hurt Paul and Barnabas, after he left them, 12 more cities these men were able to be able to go. And not only did they go to 12 cities, they shared the gospel. And the gospel was shared successfully. Here Paul is mad and upset that somebody done him wrong. But on the back side of this, people are hearing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul is still so consumed. They came to a place called Pisidia. When they come to this place, literally, they keep moving forward and they go on their journey. The Holy Ghost then fills the disciples, able to be able to raise a crippled man. The disciples had so much joy. God protected them. I mean, from chapter 13 to chapter number 15, God done so much, even so much that he was stoned in Derby. And everything is all right. I mean, God is blessing these men from chapter 13 to chapter 15. And when you show up in chapter number 15, all Paul can talk about is not what God's done he's missed it but all he can do is hold on to this bitterness most of you have this down I think it's on your little thing you got don't let the bitterness of what others done to you cause you to be ungrateful for what God has done for you everybody alright say amen I want to say this tonight it's a little different I understand that. Can you imagine when God looked at Paul? He said, Paul, do you see all you missed? Those children running around. Those people standing on those hillsides listening to the gospel. Attentive ears, hearts that were open. The safe travels, the journeys that you had. Paul, all you could do is give me with a heart of gratitude a frustration that you've been holding on to years are you trying to tell me that what somebody does to you is far greater to you emotionally psychologically spiritually and physically because friend bitterness and unforgiveness will affect you psychologically spiritually physically somebody say man i mean maybe i'm the only crazy bird in here tonight all right and i'd be all right i'd be crazy I'd rather be real with you and be crazy and try to help you because I deal with this all the time. I mean, I deal with this all the time. Brother Lee, I said it last night and I can't get over it, so forgive me for being repetitive. But I can't let the scars and the hurt and the wounds shadow the strong wife that God gave me. When she sings, you hear her voice. When she sings, I hear her heart. When she sings these songs, I will lift my voice. And he's never failed me. Oh, I don't hear the sound of an angelic voice. I hear a heart that's been broken. It's singing about a Savior. That's what I prayed for. I'm not going to shadow my relationship with my son because of what somebody's done and I'm not talking about one person or two people I'm talking about tens and twenties I'm not going to shadow my church being paid off by these people that left and walked away who at one time they were our best givers and I don't know because I don't see it but I know it because I've seen the money drop so hard I'm just telling you but do you know I don't want 
have said this. Our church is up 15% with less people than what we had last year. We're up 15% in tithes. That's not offering. That's just tithes. You know what that is? Can I, can I, can I say something to y'all and y'all not get mad at me? I feel like y'all are like our folk. Y'all are just simple folk. As far as I know, we don't have a millionaire in our church. If they are, they're not tithing. Can I get an amen? Now, I don't know if any of y'all are a millionaire. But God can do a lot with some people that's just willing to be obedient to do what God says. Brother Sean, I've seen it. I've seen it. I'm not going to let it shadow the way God has been blessing the church. I'm not I, I can't say it I, I can't say it's not real I, 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 I was in Texas preaching a couple weeks ago my wife spoke about last year this place where the Lord began to speak to her and Nolan about the forgiveness God began to do a work in her heart Brother Lee I was so thankful I'll be honest I tried to keep it together kept moving forward tried to do what I do I dealt with it dealt with other stuff um, I don't even know if my son knows this. <laughs> About a week ago, I went to the doctor. I sat down with the lady. Oh, it was like I was just talking to Jesus. I mean, I started boo-hooing. I got done. I said, well, I guess, I guess it's obvious. I got some issues, and I don't know what it is. And she looked at me. She said, it's all right. I was in Texas, and I said, you know, I've just recently accepted that my family's grieved over these people who's left, but I have failed to grieve over it. It's affected me. Now, I have forgiven, Brother Dylan. I, I, I have forgiven. But I went to the doctor the other day, and, you know, things are out of whack. And people don't like to talk about depression, but depression's real. You don't have to amen me. It's real, okay? And Brother Lee, that doctor put me on the pressure medicine. I mean, my wife knows, but I didn't even tell my son. But Shane, I'm not threatening my life. I'm not, I ain't got no rope hung up somewhere, and I'm not trying to be little. I, I'm just, I'm not there. But grief is real. And it's not just people who die that you can't physically touch no more, but Sean. It's people that you love. That you can't, you can't hug. You can't get answers. You can't get a text back. You can't even walk into a restaurant and get an acknowledgement. And these are brothers and sisters that invested, wept at the altar, prayed over my family with me. And I'm just going to tell for those of you that's ever dealt with grief of a husband, of a wife, maybe a child. Grief is real. It's all different. But it's real. And I have recently realized that I'm somehow, as silly as it may sound, I'm grieving. And I can't put the pieces together. But let me say this. Watch me now. This is why I would have come if you told me not to come. I still would have come. And you would have been at home tonight. And I still would have preached in this church whether you liked it or not. Because I refuse see the Lord bring me through something and me not turn around and say listen I don't have the answers 
the same way we do to everybody else. This is what the Lord's doing for me. And he'll do it for you the same way. But we just got to trust him. I can't keep wondering about all those people that's not with me anymore. And I know we don't live together. We're not in the same church and pastoring together. But I can't let it make me forget and separate myself from the people that God did give for you. You see these kids right here? I know you love them. They're yours. But I love them too. Some of them's a little hard-headed more than the other ones. I know they hear the hurt. I know they see the absence of people. Their innocent minds are trying to figure out why, how. Knowing mom and daddy's not perfect. But that's why as a preacher, I want to come along and say, hey, you keep faith in God. God's going to bless sometimes we have to love like Jesus we have to forgive like Jesus people's human but you remember this even though you cannot forget everything you have to forgive because if not it's going to separate you and let me just go on record and say this we need the Bible we need the Lord we need the presence of the Holy Ghost we need the local church say that again we need the local church this is why we need to choose to forgive what we cannot forget listen I got a mama right now and a daddy I mean only black eye I've ever taken is from my father mom never come to Christmas birthdays when I was a kid I mean man I, my aunt raised me I'll be honest with you, it'd be a hard time for me to be a parent if I didn't ever get over that. Some of us have got relationships that we've battled with for 20 years ago. We, we've never let go. Now watch me now, watch me now. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go on, by, on the side of my mama. Everybody all right? Everybody all right? My mama, bless her heart, I believe she's saved. And y'all can argue with this with me too, but she still has a problem with the Bible. But I do believe she's saved. I believe it. You know why she's that way? Because she's never forgiven herself for choosing the bottle and drugs over me as a kid. Some of you ain't forgot about who you used to be. You need to get before the Lord and say, God, help me to see me the way you see me. I'm a child of the King. I'm forgiven. Don't find your value in people's eyes. Find your value in the eyes of the Lord Jesus Christ and forgive yourself and move on. Don't live in guilt. Remember what I said? And be incarcerated by anger and guilt and frustration. So tonight, maybe even as a husband and wife, you know, I, I could even get my wife around the altar and just say, honey, I know I'm not always perfect. Forgive me. I give my children. Let's just be obedient to the Lord and get our hearts right. And listen, there might be people that, and I, again, I'm not tiptoeing. I'm, I'm probably taking a lot more liberty than I've ever taken. And you might be people in this church that used to sit in these churches that you loved and looked up to. You need to get down here and you need to call out their name to the Lord. Maybe not out loud, but God help me. Help me to forgive. And I believe God will help you and strengthen you to do so. Let's pray. Father, I love you. Lord, I, I pray with a tender heart tonight that you would change us.
In a moment, we'll have an invitation. Lord, let us be sensitive. God, let us be sincere. And Father, I pray that you'd help us to be able to love and forgive the way you choose. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to stand to your feet, heads bowed, and eyes closed. She's going to sing a song of invitation. If you need to come, will you come quickly tonight? Will you come quickly tonight? If you need help praying, maybe bring somebody with you. Maybe bring somebody with you. Sweet Billy.